I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Coach Andy Murray. He is the cross-country coach at Highland High School, has been for several years, has 37 years of coaching experience. So thanks for joining me today, Coach. You're welcome. So nice to you. So, you know, my first question, I guess, is how did you get into running? Oh, just through uh, sort of indirectly because of other sports. You know, growing up in the area I was in, North London, I wanted to play for the Spurs. It's a professional soccer team. And... Uh, I was told to run and that was about it. I mean, in those days, maybe even in your area, Sebastian, that's, that's what happened. You were told to do something, you did it. It wasn't like a choice. So I started running at my, in England, they call them primary schools, elementary school. I was playing football there, soccer. And uh, I just started running there and I was doing athletics as they call it there, track and field. That's where I got into running for initially. You know, we would have, we would just run at school, mostly on grass tracks as well. So there's a little bit of cross country as well. So it's kind of a, most of the schools have grass tracks, not, not the all weather kind of tracks you have now. It might have changed there. I don't think so. I think the grass is so good there that they can have short, they cut it short. It's kind of fast. It's good. Yeah, not as good as the, the tracks here, but still that, that was how I got into it. Well, I know uh, some of the elementary schools around here, they, you know, they don't have the all weathers either, but they'll do mostly the, you know, a dirt track around like a field. I see that at Wilson Middle School, you know, because I've been driving out to Bullhead and I've been looking at that track at the Wilson. I thought we should go out there and run on it, on those dirt tracks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good. They are good. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's some, I don't know. I always, for me, I, running on the grass always made me feel so slow, and uh, I'm just I, I'm just more used to running on the dirt. I always feel like I could go faster. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> so, and and the English system, I've I've talked to a couple of people about this because everything is is uh, a lot of it's through clubs, right? So when you could do the athletics, you were I'm assuming part of a, a bigger club. Only if you're really good. I had, oh. when, I, when I started teaching there, I had these two twins. I remember I came across the leader, Stephen and Gary Leader, and they were going to a club track. We had no pole vault facilities. Stephen was a really good pole vaulter. He did all his pole vaulting in the club and he competed for the school. But we had nothing. We had, and the coaches had no idea how to teach it anyway or coach it. So, and Gary, eventually, he started off doing the 1500, but he he went to the steeplechase, so he became a steeplechaser. Again, we didn't have the facilities at our school. So both of these boys were outstanding athletic in athletics, track and field. And, uh, but they did, like you said, the majority of it was in the club for the Enfield Harriers, which was a big club team nearby. And, uh, but they compete for the school still. 
They didn't just say work compete for Andrew Harris, they did both. There was no oh, question cool. ever of not competing for the school. So it's a good system then. It might have changed, but at that time it was school comes first, but you get your training. You, you, they got their quality training elsewhere. Okay. And uh, how long did you uh, continue to play soccer and and use the running as conditioning? For a long time. Then, then well, when I was 12 and I went to a secondary school, there's no middle schools, in, well, very few middle schools in England. You go to secondary school from 12 to 18. I went to a school that was a strong rugby school. And uh, that really hurt initially. But then I joined a club and continued to play soccer for the club team. And But I, then I, I started noticing rugby. I got into rugby, the whole tradition of the school. You know, I really like that secondary school kind of feel. But sometimes I think we lose some middle schoolers here. The school I went to was strong on sport, was strong in athletics as well, cross country, everything. But you just walk in the hallways and you see these bigger kids around and you see them practicing, practicing cross country, practicing rugby. You just get into that kind of tradition. Yeah, I want to be like them. You know, you see big guys. And then in the late 60s, that's when I first started, 69, they all had sideburns, those guys, and beards like you. you know, some, <laughs> of them, some of those older guys, you know, it was like the, the late 60s, early 70s. They had long hair, beards, the big sideburns if they didn't have beards. I remember them. Right. They were kind of intimidating, but they were, they took care of it. It was, it was the more 14-year-olds that were more threatening to us, kind of more bullying. You know, at 12 years old, the, eight, the 17, 18 year olds, you know, they took care of us, kind of guarded us, you know, sometimes. But I remember them guys look like you, you know, kind of long hair. You know, you know, the 60s and 70s, early, you know, that was oh, a fact. Yeah. You know, we, we had long hair as well, but obviously, we didn't have, we didn't have the sideburns yet, you know. <laughs> but I remember that. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see a picture of you with, with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> I might have some, it was kind of bushed. It would come out, it was like bushy out. <laughs> you know? But I got into everything there and I got, I remember rugby, but I remember PE was better there. Um, the boys were split up from the girls. That didn't necessarily make it better, but it was just tough, very competitive. And if the rugby fields were wet, we would go on a run off campus out into the middle of these, they were called the pits, these lakes, which had trails around them. So we had a cross country course about a mile away. So we'd run off it down the road and uh, into these pit areas. And that would happen a lot because there was so much rain that sometimes the fields, we had to save them because otherwise they'd end up with no grass on them. So it'd be like, all right, put your training shoes on, we're going for a run. And I was doing okay in the runs. I was kind of up there in the upper pack. And then the PE teacher said to me, well, we've got a cross-country meeting next week and you're in it. I said, okay. <laughs> and that was my introduction to cross-country. You know? That was it. Just uh, we put you in, you're running. Yes, it was just like, it's mostly in PE. Because a lot of the, 
again, and this was another positive, it's not like that now over there, I know, because it's become more specialised. We've talked about it, but yeah, at that time it was like you have to do everything. You know, there's no thing, well, I'm just going to do rugby or I'm not going to do this running stuff. You know, it was, you're here, you're going to run next week in this meet. You know, you say, yes, sir, all right. You know, <laughs> and that's the way I feel. My PE teacher was like that. He was young. He was pretty much a jack of all trades. That's why I consider myself and really not a master of anything. You know, I don't feel like... I feel humble about cross country when I'm around a lot of the coaches, but I feel like I know it. I kind of got an interest and a passion for it. But you have to have a passion for everything. You can't be talking kids out of a, another sport. You know, that's 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 the way I've learned it as I as I went. And I stayed passionate in soccer as soccer as well. I was playing that in the club as well, but that never interfered with school rugby. You know, there was never a thing where I I can't. You know, that's just the way it went. Different era. Right. Know. Yes, but it was yeah. good. That's how I got across the country, though. That's that's yeah. amazing. I, I mean, English cross country, like it just it it makes you think of like iconic scenes of you know <laughs> over these you know rolling hills and grass yeah. and. Uh, I'm. I, is is that what it felt like to you? <laughs> yes, mud splatter up your back. You wouldn't notice so much your front, but if you turned around and looked in a mirror, you, your whole back was covered in mud. You're like when a, <laughs> like an off-road vehicle, you know, <laughs> on those days. Because those wet days, we went on wet days to save the rugby fuels. So it was obviously chucking down with rain or something, you know, on those days. There was no thing about, well, we're going to go inside. It was like... We're going to run. So, yeah, mud splatter. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wanted, I wanted to get... Sorry. Go ahead. Well, sometimes they ran. we ran in studs, cleats, they call them here. We ran in studs. Oh, right. So I had, like, molded pair of boots. I remember one race, this kid beat me. He got off to such a good start because he was wearing cleats, you know, and I remember he was a rival of mine in, on the rugby field. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to try and beat this guy today. But I was an idiot wearing training shoes, and it was too slippery to start. He, and this guy was flying. He, he took off, and that was it. A lot of them were wearing cleats that day. So, yeah, sometimes these courses you could run in, in the, your soccer boots or your rugby boots, you know, your cleats. Right. Because it was so muddy and wet. Yeah. So – you know, I, I want to come back to that, but it is, uh, it's interesting hearing you, you talk about all these rainy days and, and obviously the, you know, London area is known for being a little foggy and dreary. Uh, you know, how did you end up in the desert here in New Mexico? Well, the Santa Fe rugby team, which included some Albuquerque players, they toured the UK in 1985. And, well, actually, my team that I played for in North London, the men's team, they toured New Mexico in 84 or 85. I can't remember. Chesson came over here first. It was Chesson Rugby Club came over here and they played in Santa Fe. 
They, they played mostly in Denver, but they came down to New Mexico and played a game against Santa Fe. And then Santa Fe went on tour to to England. And that's where I met the guys. I didn't come on the tour, that tour, but I did meet the Santa Fe guys and I played against them. And um, ended up here, sort of. I like, you know. Well, no, they talked to me about playing. I'm sorry, I'm just, it's a long time. They talked to me about playing. Yeah in New Mexico, coming over and playing for a bit, teaching. I was struggling a bit in the teaching because we had a lot of industrial action going on, strike action, and I stopped. You don't get paid over there, you see, so I stopped doing all extracurricular activities, so all sport. I stopped teaching it. I was in a very militant union, and a lot of PE teachers did the same. Stopped doing after-school sports. So I was just down about it, and I just thought, I need a break, I need to get away. So I thought, I'm going to come to New Mexico, see what it's like, play a bit of rugby. And ultimately, I met my wife here, Bobby, wow. Roberta, and uh, that's how I stayed. I wanted to stay, you know, and uh, that's what happened. <laughs> you know? But I didn't think I was going to stay. And I do miss, like you said, I mean... We've had a lot of heat late, lately, and the kids would love it. They'd run over there, you know. Yeah. You would you would tear it up. <laughs> over there, the sea level, the, you know, the sea level, you got that moisture in your lungs. You know, it is a good place to run, but so is here. I mean, it's just different, totally different, like you said. Totally right. different from over there. There's that oxygenated wow. air, you know. That's why there's runners come. Here, Paula Ratcliffe came here, the women's record holder. You know, right. right, she trained here. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Josh yeah. Kerr with, uh, out of Scotland. Josh Kerr, of course, yes. Josh, yeah, yeah Josh. Um, now, he's Scottish. He gets a little bit higher elevation, but not nothing compared with here. You know, yeah. he's the first one to say that. Yeah, Josh Kerr, I forgot about it. I never met him. I met so many others. There was a ton of Brits when I was doing a master's level. Taking my master's at UNM, I met a lot of Brits who come over. The coach was recruiting them. They're a little bit older, so they, they were kind of graduate students. They were good runners. And there's a, there's a guy from the Isle of Man, Keith, of a rear rancher. That would be an interesting oh, yeah. story to find out from <laughs> him. They're called Manx Men. Manxman from the Isle of Man. But he's on an island, you see, and he's settled here. He met a girl. Yeah. But that was amazing to me because, you know, yeah, it's the British Isles. I mean, we're never far from the ocean. Right. You know, but his would be an interesting story as well. I agree with that. What? Well, uh, when was the last time you were able to go back? 2018, I went. Okay. And that, I took a long 2004, so it's 2018 I went back. And uh, so I'd taken a long break. And the UK's changed like here, mostly for the good, but some not so good. You know, but right. I went back, you know, I went back on my own. My wife doesn't like flying. She likes the UK. She likes London. 
but she has a tough time with the flying. You know, it's, it's a fairly long trip. You know? Yeah, it's it's a long time sitting in a in a seat. <laughs> right. But my sister likes coming over. She likes the bright light. She's she lives in southwest London, and uh, but she likes the bright light here at winter. Can get gloomy, kind of drizzly over there any time of the year, but especially in the the days are so short because it's it's northern Europe. Right. So you know you have more extremes. You're, it's great in June. You could be playing golf at nine thirty at night, but but it's dark. That that's what hit me when I went back in twenty eighteen. You know, three thirty the sun was down. Oh you know, wow! Yes, yeah, that that hit me that first day. You know, so. But yeah, wow. you'd you'd like it over there. They're, they're fanatical on athletics and running. I so mean, I would be. I would definitely be interested in, in visiting at some point. There's, I mean, so many iconic places and, and obviously, I mean, the running culture in, in certain areas right. is just yes, fascinating. So you kind of kept up running through like while you were doing rugby and soccer and all this football to, to stay um, in shape for it, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I just, I've always liked running. Um, sometimes I, I ran too much. I think looking back with the rugby, the, the rugby's changed. It's become more like football now. This is the 21st century. The players are bigger, stronger, faster. Had I been at this era, they said, you, you don't need to run that much. You know, you need to run a bit, but you need to get in the weight room and bulk up. It's, it's become very more anaerobic. It's still a great game, but it's, yeah, sometimes I just, me and there's a few that on the team with me. We used to run, maybe too much, you know. But we just we were just enjoyed it. Yeah. Especially getting out on the roads. There's some roads, and sometimes when it was too wet, you could get out on these narrow little country roads. That's another thing you could do if you like road running. You know, you can get out in these areas and just run. You know? That's that's great. And so I mean. Do you do you feel like the rugby players now are a little bit more specialized in uh, not only with the bulking but maybe more just with the speed than the endurance? Definitely, rugby's changed. Yes, um, but I'm talking about the real high level, which I wouldn't have played anyway. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't good enough to play at that high level. But yeah, definitely, there's a lot of technology. There's a lot of stoppages in the games, just like a football game now. So, you know, a 40-minute half of rugby will last maybe an hour because of stoppages and things like that, you know, the referee checking things. But it's still a great game, but right. definitely not as uh, – but at that time, that was my strength, was being able to run around the field a lot and keep busy. So I, I enjoyed doing the running. I think, you know, it helped me a lot being able to – run continuously you know right. in fact uh, when i went back to england in the early 90s when my son was young me and me and bobby would go back regularly with callum my son there was a guy who was excelling in the beep test so i hadn't heard of the beep test he was excelling. his name was neil back and he was excelling in the beep test in the early 90s he was doing like something like level 17. I don't know what that is. 
on the numbers now because you guys do this, you count the shuttles. The Brits do a levels. A level okay. 17 is ridiculous pace. You know, but this guy was excelling. He was small in his position. But, yeah, that, that's where I came across the beat test and I brought it back to Highland. When I first started at Highland in 95, 96, I showed him the beat test. At that time, not many people knew about it. It seemed like, you know, because it was on a 20-meter thing, you know. You know how it is over here with the metric system. Set the right. track and build. You know, so. But that was, that was the beat test. I remember that. Back was excelling in that. This guy, Neil Back. And everyone was talking about the beat test at that time in the early 90s. Ultimately, now they don't talk about it. They talk about their bench pressing, you know, and things like that, like football players do. But right. at that time, rugby was still endurance sport. So the beat test was everything. Everyone was doing the beat test, all the rugby teams around the country. So she got a running, you know. And that's a great test, as you know. You probably performed pretty good on that, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned the metric system. It is kind of funny. Like my mind is mostly, you know, in in standard and American and and you know miles and and this and that. But I'm constantly switching back between kilometers and miles when I'm thinking about my running because of you know the race distance. It's not you know it's a five k, not a three mile. Usually it's a ten k, not a six mile. You know, so it's like yeah. these constant little calculations in my head of like. Well, and then I'll do 200 repeats and then, you know, it's all of those, you know, right. uh, it, it makes a little <laughs> more sense in the metric, but sometimes it's just confusing with everything else. Well, so, right. Uh, what was your best 1600 meter time? Oh, I was, I was slow in high school. I was, uh, I never broke five minutes. I, I, I think I ran like. 504 five between 504 and 506 like you know right seven or eight times <laughs> just couldn't get over that hump so you preferred the longer you're kind of a cross-country yeah. guy yeah well because because then i would i would go out and i'd run you know a low um you know a, a 10 15 10 22 mile I, you know i could yeah. keep that pace for longer i just couldn't uh just couldn't get that turnover until I got to college. So, uh, what about college? Did you run the 1500? Do they run the 1500 at college here? I don't even know. I was, I was injured uh, during track season my couple of years. So I only ran, uh, I only raced during cross country for two years. Okay. Because I like the 1500. I used to run that a couple of times. Well, that was you know, too quick for me. Yeah, I was okay. Again, I was okay. To, this would give you an idea if I was training for rugby and doing athletics, I would run the 100 metres and the 1500. Sometimes oh, wow. in, in the same meet because I'd be trying to get everything. I wanted to be fast, but I also wanted to have good endurance. So, and that, that's what the teacher would, he would put me in both. He'd say, right, you're going to run the 100, and then later on you're going to do the 1500. Yeah. It sounds like you you could have been a decathlete almost. No, no I couldn't. I couldn't do that pole vault stuff. <laughs> All right, pole vault. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying it was a good. It was kind of a all round kind of thing again. That emphasis on being all round. Yeah. Um, 
That's why I like talking to Coach Clark because when I first started coaching cross country here, he was the Sandia team and he had Cameron and Michael, his two sons, who were both really good soccer players. And sometimes we get soccer players at Highland and say, well, I just want to get faster for soccer, so let me run the 100 and 200. Whereas Cameron and Michael were both fast on the soccer field, but they ran the 16 and the 32. And the eight, you know, sometimes they ran the four by four. So there's a good example over here of that all round kind of, you know. Yeah. But, they had, but they were distance runners who were fast on a soccer field. I, know, I kind I, of feel like that now. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a kid who came to us from soccer and, and, you know, he ran mostly the 400 and 800 and, and he's, he was, he was pretty good and he, he graduated now, but I mean, he'll, he's training off and on and I, you know, I follow him on, on Strava and social media and, you know, he goes out and he can, he can hold a 630 pace on a long run, you know, no problem from all that conditioning. All right. And so what brought you into, into teaching? Is that something you, you know, knew you wanted to get into or what brought you into that world? I'm not sure. I just, I wasn't good enough to play for the Spurs in soccer. Rugby was an amateur sport at that time. When I was growing up, you hadn't turned professional. So it's not. And just like Bobby reminded me, of course, it's important. My parents were teachers. So that was one of the main ones. They were, they were elementary, they were primary school teachers. They were very good teachers. And uh, but then my PE teacher started telling me as well. He started getting on to me about, he said, what are you going to do? You should be a, you know, PE teacher. Go to a college, play with some good rugby there. And uh, become a teacher, you know. I thought, yeah, what he does, he he does a good job and looks good, looks fun, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> that's kind of my parents were. It's not like that anymore over here. My dad, mum, we lived in the same areas where the school was, and I'd walk to school in the morning with my dad early. And we would play football before school started, soccer. But it was just, my dad was just in the area. He went to the church. He went to a local pub. You know, he was just in that community. My mum as well. It's not like that anymore. People want to live further away from the schools sometimes. But at that time, it was very special. You know. Yeah. Is that is that still how it is? Uh, you, you're saying it's changed. Um, do you mean just here? Or is has it changed in uh, the London area as well? I think it's changed in London. People want to move. They don't want to be close to their schools. They're not quite. My dad retired at the right time. It became more like we talk about it here, administrators. Right. He was more hands-on kind of headmaster. He was called then. They don't call him principals. They call him headmaster. But he would teach. And when there was a teacher out, he would oh, fill wow. in sometimes, you know. And he would help with the football a little bit, but he would always, it was kind of blatantly sexist in a way, but the top level, <laughs> the fifth grade teacher was always a male teacher who happened to be a good, very good teacher, but he was also a good, he knew his football because the football team was important. Got it. And we had a guy, a couple, he's a few years younger than me, 
he was part Nigerian. He went on and played professionally at quite a high level, and he played for Nigeria as well. Wow. So he was he was really good. So football was important in the school, even at the elementary. So my dad, yeah, my dad was into football. He loves sport, and uh, but that's how I got into teaching, though, mainly through my parents. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know I have a lot of family members who are teaching as well, and um, it wasn't necessarily my my first choice, but once I kind of got into it, it just seemed to to make sense, really. That's good. Yeah, you, and you're happy in the, your chosen field? When did you start? Yeah, teaching? yeah. Yeah, I, I've only been doing it for... 10-ish years. <laughs> Lost track already. Right. Well, it's the same everywhere, teachers. I think we don't, we don't, you don't need it because you, you don't, you're not going to get rich. And there's a shortage in some subjects. It's, it's pretty much right. global. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's people getting out of the profession in the UK, like here, or they're trying to recruit teachers all the time. It's the same. It, it's same it's tough. Can. It can be extremely rewarding, but often thankless. So yes, yeah, so, yeah. I think we're lucky, uh, coping cross country kids, mainly. Exactly. Yeah. How many uh, have you? Did you coach? You talked about like doing the after school stuff. So was that like coaching athletics and coaching rugby, coaching? Uh, football soccer there in england yeah. i did that as a teacher yeah i started doing that i mean the, the school year's broken up a bit easier so it does enable you to do more sports because they have a three semester they have quite a long break around easter okay and then you come back for a third semester where you do athletics track and field and cricket it's kind of like baseball those are the right. two main sports so there's a there's a very dividing line now it's all changed obviously a little bit sebastian with some of these sports but at that time when i was there you had the three clear terms so it was rugby before christmas soccer after christmas in most schools and then you had the easter break where you started the summer sports the cross country kind of overlapped the two. The no, between no. rugby and soccer. Yes, sir. We had a few specialising, but not many. Most most of them were, were playing soccer or rugby. I don't remember. I remember the guy Gary Leader I was talking about earlier, the steeplechaser. He was a specialist runner, but even he was playing soccer. He played soccer. He didn't play rugby. He was too kind of, he was, you know, a typical lean kind of lightweight kind of guy, but he played right. soccer and he was pretty good at soccer, you know, even when he was running and he was obviously going to be going on to bigger, better things, you know, in the running, you know, and doing that steeplechase. Right. So, um, yeah, it was still that year around, but again, it's, I don't think it's like that now. You know, I think there's probably a clash with club and school now. 
Oh, there is here. You probably have it with some track guys trying to get the club soccer players to run track, things like that. You know, I think they have the same issues now. Um, yeah, I've dealt with the same things with, you know, the these the club teams. It's hard to, you know, the kids want to stick with their one sport, and well, I can't miss out on, on you know, club soccer because then I'm going to fall behind or or this or that, and it it becomes difficult sometimes to uh, keep them where they where they can be for right. um, track as well. I don't remember ever paying money. I know I must have paid some money. My dad probably did when I was playing the club soccer. But now in in London, you're so congested, you don't have to travel very far. Whereas here, you've got the travel thing as well, the money, and they go and play these tournaments. Right. Uh, our son did it as well. You know, so that costs him more money. So I think these kids are putting a lot of money in to the program. So I'm, and they're thinking, well, I, I put in the money. I've got, I can't miss that tournament to run for Sandia in a, in a track meet. I've got to, I've got to committed to the soccer. Right. That might have changed over there as well. You know, but at the time, we, you could play soccer because you didn't have to travel far. There's so many teams in a densely populated area. It's not like New Mexico. Right, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more spread out here. <laughs> You can do so much in the city, but then they want to go, you know, test how they stack up against, you know, Colorado or Texas right. or California yeah. teams. Yes. Did you ever coach uh, soccer when you were here or since you've been here? Yes, I did. In fact, I probably helps with your accent, right? <laughs> Everyone thinks you're a soccer <laughs> expert. Start talking about soccer. No, I, no that's, that's one of my first things. You know, I got I was a JV coach at Highland. Okay. And there was kind of pushy parents. And the head coach, they kind of forced the head coach out a little bit. And this this one parent was saying to me, You you should take over. You should become the head soccer coach at Highland. This was in ninety seven. I had a good J V team. And we we were playing pretty good. And that's what I was doing. I was coaching JV soccer at Highland. And then this the coach quit, the soccer coach. And at that time, John Allison, the cross-country coach, was his legendary runner, ran for UNM, ran for Coach Sanchez Sr., Henry, you know, when they won state. That was the last time in 1970, I think. John graduated in 1971. Well, he decided to retire. And Gary Sanchez said to me, he said, look, why don't you take the cross-country job? Don't worry about the soccer. You're doing track already. You're doing athletics with me. It would be perfect if you did the cross-country. So that's what I did. I thought, no, I don't want to do that soccer job with those parents. You know, we used to have right. some kind of parents like Sandy, you know, kind of we had those Ridgecrest kids in those days. So we had some pushy kind of parents. So I thought, now I'm just going to take the, I'm going to do the cross country job. I'm going to, so I, I applied for it and I got the job. And I was lucky because at that time I was doing soccer and I could have gone the other route, right, and and taken on the varsity soccer job. And and nothing against the soccer; it would have been good. There were some good players, but 
I'm so grateful doing the cross country, you know. And when I say John retired, he, he was still there as a science teacher. So he gave me advice. Then you had Coach Sanchez. I had these two great mentors at the school. So that was good, you know. So I got a lot of support. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Coach Sanchez really, I mean, a lot of people really respect him and he's, he's uh, he did some amazing things at his time at Highlands as well. They both, I mean, uh, Gary and his father. Yes, definitely. Gary, well, Gary was the cross country coach for a while with the, the girls when it used to be separate in the early eighties, it was kind of, you, you had a boys coach and a girls coach by track. It wasn't until later on that they combined them, you know, but, um, yeah, he was, he helped. He helped me a lot and uh, gave me a lot of advice, you know. And, but. Yeah, you came close to one uh, state championship. Twice. But twice? Oh four, oh five, we came second. Wow. Oh four, we came second to La Cueva. Oh five, we came second to Gallup. They were both in Red Rock, the state park, where we used to go. I yeah. remember that course. I, I ran that in the in the late nineties. Did you like it? I, I well, I didn't hate it. I hated that. It, every time we went out there, it seemed like it was like clear weather, and then it would snow the night before or the <laughs> day of. <laughs> so yeah, I heard some horror stories about that. I was fortunate. Oh four was kind of cloudy, but oh five was sunny. But I'd heard about those stories about people not being able to travel from Albuquerque one year. The team got the teams got out there on the Friday night, right. but no one could go that Saturday morning because it just snowed. Yeah, I heard I hear stories about Gallup. You know, I mean, it was a it was a beautiful place to run, absolutely gorgeous. But yes, sir, yeah. what, once it once it got muddy and wet, oh my goodness, that was a it just became it became ten times harder. Yes. That was, that was a tough course. You miss it. It's kind of, it was a big event. You could feel it was a big event. It's been yeah. great at Rio Rancho. And I think the Academy one last year was good. And it's going to be even better this year, I think. But it was good going out to Gallup. It was kind of special. Right. You feel like that? I, I don't mind. those people out there cross country. Right. You know, definitely it was a special place. I don't mind us, you know, using some different courses for cross country. Sometimes it's nice to have a set so you know what you're getting into. But it'd be nice to move around too. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to to try out and try it out on the academy course. And I think they're gonna, um, like you said, they're gonna just get better because I, I know Coach Kedge is gonna make sure that's a quality event. Yes, sir. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So I um. You just uh, you just finished up hosting the APS invite over at Bullhead Park this weekend. <laughs> yes. How many how many times have you uh, have you hosted a race? Has it been almost every year? I mean, obviously yeah. except for last. I've had a couple of bar years, but then I've hosted districts. So I've had at least four times. I've had two meets in wow. those four years. So I've had it. You know, I, I don't know how many it is now. 
it's easily 25 posted bullhead reads. Got to be over that number because yeah. of those two. There was, there was two years, two consecutive years where we changed districts. So we hosted with a strong district when you were in it. You were in it with us, Sandia, El Dorado, La Cueva district. Yeah. And then we hosted the following year. We went back to the other district with the Trisco, West Mesa, and so on with those schools. Right. Albuquerque High. Yeah. So we did. Uh, Two years we did four meets in two years one time <laughs> and that's crazy i don't do just, i don't know how they used to do those two meets because that yeah. course takes so much setting up i don't know it's been hard maybe it's because of the break with the pandemic but it was just hard this year yeah. was really very hard it was good it was very rewarding we saw a lot of good running and good teams but it's hard setting up right and it's hard when you have a small team yeah. Yeah, you'd started. You got. You'd, it takes a lot of help to to set up a course and to make sure everything. You know, you have your people out there for, uh, especially when you have loops to make sure they're heading out on the right, right loop and all that stuff. It's um. It's right. difficult. Yes, it is. So, but it um, was good. It was good. It took a, But it takes a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it I, takes I, mean, a lot I was. Of it was, it was a, I know it was a lot of work for you, but it, it was a great meet, you know, as always. Well, thanks. So. I just want people know, to know that, the, you know, when we put that meet on, we put in so much time and we have no chance of winning it. You know what I mean? It's like you put in a lot of time. Sometimes you say, well, coaches put a lot of time in because they, they're thinking, well, I can win, I can win state or whatever. This is nothing to do with that. Right. We put on that event. We have. We have no chance. We we have one in the pre-Cleveland Rio Rancho era, in that 04, 05 era. We won. The boys won one time. Uh, but this was pre, like I said, right. pre the big schools that have come on, you know, like and, and Volcano Vista. That was pre before then. So, right. yeah, it's a tough meet. It's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of work. And you're not going to win, you know. But that's cross country. You know, we had no awards, and the kids, I think they just all enjoy running. I don't think they need awards. Most of them, it doesn't involve them anyway. They're not going to get awards, are they? Ninety-five percent of them, you know, aren't going to get awards anyway. They just like running, right? You know, being on the team. Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about it is that, you know, yes, you're competing against everybody else out there, but. You know, on a week-to-week -week basis, you're you're competing against yourself, and and have you improved? How are you feeling? Are you feeling better? You know, even just kind of ignoring the time. You know, do you feel like you were able to work harder? Do you feel like you were more steady throughout the race? You know, all those things. Yes. So yes, you're right. But I know I know you know all that. You're you're an, you're a great coach. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just have to be out there looking at those kids. Um, Absolutely. Well, I know, um, you know, you've got some limited time, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I would love to continue talking to you, and so we might have to pick another time where we uh, talk some more. 
Um, so I'm just going to wrap up and ask you the final question I ask everybody. And that's, uh, you know, what music are you uh, listening to to get you going, get you pumped, get you ready to set up your course? <laughs> we we hop back to that, uh, that 70s time. And I talked to my runners about it because music crosses generations. I was a big Led Zeppelin fan, you know, in that mid-70s era. I saw them twice in their prime in London. Oh, wow. I saw Robert Plant recently at the Sandia Casino not that long ago. That was kind of sad. (laughs) People grow old, you know, those legends, like us all. But, yeah, definitely Led Zeppelin. But I've also become a country fan, and I'm going to go and see Jason Aldean. Oh, really? Week from Friday. Yeah, so I like him. So I like country music as well since I've been in New Mexico. Yeah. I've become a big country fan as well. But definitely Led Zeppelin has crossed yeah. the generations. You know, you talk to, you have kids that come out and they say, you saw Led Zeppelin live? You know, it's pretty good story telling them, you know. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, that could be a whole other podcast, the, you know, London in that time and the music and, Oh, I mean, yeah. you had you had the punk era coming up. I'm I'm a big fan of some of those old punk bands from oh, there yeah. at that time. Yeah, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine <laughs> the music scene. It crosses. It's like random it crosses countries. Yeah, generations. It's everything, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, well, thank you again for your time, Coach. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I just, I'm, we're, we're very tired from the meat still. So <laughs> we want to keep going, you know. We're, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. It's going quick, isn't it? You always tell your runners that. They don't believe you, but then, then by the time you hit October, they start believing you. It is going quick. You know, they say, yeah, you're right, coach. You know, so you got to kind of make the most of it. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico.com at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.